are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I'm going to open this old book for you because this is the book. It's not only a good book, but it's the blessed book. This is my comfort, this blessed old book, because in it I find him everywhere I look. Well, this is my comfort, it's my hope, it's my stay. He assures me that he's with me every step of the way. So when I'm afflicted and troubles assail, I just go to the old book because it never fails. And when I remember the victory's past, I know for me it'll be victory at last. So why should I fret when at troubles I look when I can find him in this blessed old book? I would speak to you this morning from this blessed old book Beginning in Psalm 142, I would speak to you out of the prayer that David made when he said, No man cared for my soul. I thought about that some months ago and for this hour, and this thought just buried itself in my heart and mind that God is always enough when you can't find anybody on the left hand or the right hand when you've left with nobody but God He's enough. The journey that you and I take in our Christian life and in leadership we know is met with many troubles, trials, burdens heavy to bear, heartaches, distressful situations, and great battles that you and I have to constantly fight, and certainly they're not a few. So severe at times that we may be overwhelmed with the battles that we are in, the heartaches that we are enduring, the challenges that we have to meet, rise up to take the firm stand that we made a commitment to when God touched our lives and called us to be a special people for Him. I read from Psalm 142 where Paul David said, I showed before him my trouble. And when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privately laid a snare for me. And I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. In verse 6 I read, Attend unto my cry, 
for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. And bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass about me, but thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Desperate situation, but he would find, and we need to find, in our most distressful situations, in our most desperate hour, in our lowest time in life, when feel buried, we may be overwhelmed, may we also find that God is enough. When there's nothing else, God is enough. He cried in verse 5, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. And God knows that He is always enough, and we ought to know that He's always enough for every, every situation that we may find ourselves while living for him, or whether we are living and leading for him. I leave quickly this morning hour, three thoughts that God laid upon my heart, wherein he is always enough. He is always enough, first of all, when troubles come our way. Job said, Man that is born of a woman is few days and full of troubles. He said man is born in the trouble as the sparks that fly upward. And you and I know that these troubles, they may come suddenly upon us. Or we may see trouble on the way. Paul expressed this in the book of Acts when he said, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Only that which the Holy Ghost witness, that in every city, saying, Bonds and afflictions abide me. But he goes on to say that, no matter what he couldn't see that was coming, no matter what he could see was coming, none of these things is going to move me. Hey, I want that position in my life. I've asked God to give me the grace because I know that whatever I see coming or whatever I don't see that may coming, I know that he's enough for me to be able to make it all the way. Amen. Trouble travels many highways to find us. And certainly trouble has found its way into our nation. Our homes are troubled. Our churches are dealing with trouble and troublemakers. 
And as I thought about that, I read over again in the book of Ezra and got to thinking about in my first ministry of the 13 buildings that we built in that ministry. And then I, I read during that time in the book of Ezra, in verse 4, where Ezra was in a building program. And the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all of the days. I looked at those verses in the midst of those 13 buildings we built in the first ministry and not one of them were built, not anything was done, but what there was a trouble in getting it done or troublemakers trying to trouble the work that was being done. I thought to myself as I read that scripture, oh God, I know Satan has a lot of power, but I really didn't know he had the power to raise the dead because some of those troublemakers, I saw them this past Sunday morning. They're alive and well. And I thought, oh God, the church of today doesn't have to worry about these professional hired troublemakers. There's always enough volunteers in our churches today. The people of the land weaken the hands of the people. The results from our troubles that we have to deal with in home and at church, in living for God and leading for God, it's sad to say that when troubles come, they seem to death really destroy. They can be devastating to a home, to a life, and to a ministry. And I got to thinking, and I made a note down. What trouble could come your way that would cause you maybe to lay down the plow handle? What trouble could come your way in our ministries that would cause us to lay our armor down? And another soldier lost to the battle. What thing could come my way that would cause me to give up my calling, bury my commitment, and walk away from it, maybe with the idea that somehow God hasn't been fair. Though I've been faithful, and though I've been to my commitment, faithful to that commitment, I find this in the 57 years that I've been preaching, the 40-some-odd years of pastoring, and then in this ministry that God has given to me. I've found this, the great challenge for all of us, whether living or in leading, is that somehow we don't know how to handle those things that come our way knowing that in the perfect will of God or maybe in the perfect place that God has for us. If we can handle that which comes,
comes with being in the will of God and in the work of God because we're certainly not exempt from that. I find that as I look back over my years of experience and with some of the great men that I have the opportunity to walk with, that they didn't walk away from the troubles that they had, the heartaches that they had, being in the perfect will of God, being in the perfect place that God has for them. I thought about Dr. Lee Robertson. And when he had to bury his little joy, his little daughter, he buried little joy. But when he buried her that day, he didn't bury his commitment. He didn't bury his call to God. He walked away from that graveyard with the same commitment. Trouble had come his way. He was in the perfect will of God. He was in the perfect place of God. But trouble came. Heartache came. And though he had to bury her, he didn't bury his commitment to God. I think about Charles Weigel, who sat in my living room and preached in my church and enjoyed, I enjoyed the fellowship of him personally. In my home as we sit and talk, and I thought about that hour that he talked about in his early ministry, when his wife said to him, Charles, I'm through with this kind of life. I'm leaving. I'm walking away. And I'll take our daughter with him. Dr. Weigel said it drove him to the depths of heartbreak. He went down to Sebring, Florida, where he lived. He said he walked out that night on the pier and looked down into the dark waters of the night. And there it seemed like that was the very darkness in which he had been plunged in his life. But when he got up, though she walked away, Charles Lacken got up to walk on for the Lord. He come up out of the darkness of his heartache and of his heartbreak. And he walked with God and stood not away from God. Hey, make you stand. If you and I can handle the heartache, the disappointments and the troubles that come while being in the will of God. And while in the perfect place that God has for us. God's looking for someone who won't bury their commitment, who won't bury their call. And thank God when others walk away from you that you'll just keep walking on for God. Amen. I think about Buddy Thigpen. I taught him in college in BUA in America when it was in Atlanta and I pastored there. Buddy, one of my students, he went up into Gainesville, Florida, pastored a great church and had a great ministry going. One year in his mission conference, he was the one that surrendered to go to the mission field. 
but he had then, I think, five or six children, one a small one, the youngest one, surrendered to go to the mission field. And while he was out on his first deputation, first deputation appointment, they stopped at a McDonald's, and he was holding the little boy by his hand. And while looking at the marquee and trying to figure out what would be the best for the family and for the children, the little fellow suddenly thought of something he had left and wanted, ran out suddenly and left his hand. And while Buddy was looking, the little fellow ran out, but he ran right out into the drive-through lane. And as he ran through the drive-through lane, a truck hit him. Kill the little fella. But he stood in my full pit and wept as he told the story personally. But he said, oh, what a heartbreak. Oh, to what depths it plunged us. And at that time, old Satan come up, who's a liar. And said to him, said, buddy, said, now you've missed the will of God. You're out of the will of God. You're headed in the wrong direction. And said, if you'd have stayed in your pastorate now, and stayed where you ought to be, you little boy, you wouldn't be out here on deputation. And your little boy would still be alive. But Buddy Thigpen said to me, said, Preacher, the devil's a liar. I know I'm in the will of God. And though I buried my little boy, thank God he didn't bury his commitment. He didn't bury his calling. Oh, what a challenge it is for you. What a challenge it is for me. That oh, that we don't listen to Satan. That we listen to the word of the Holy Spirit and say, thank you, Lord. God help us to meet the challenge along the way. Maybe today, there are some here, be ye Christian or be ye leader of Christians. Maybe we ought to go back to some grave sites where we've buried our commitment to God because of the troubles that came and the heartaches that came and the disappointments that came. Maybe we didn't feel that God showed up in time. Job was in the perfect will of God. So highly did God speak of him. But oh, troubles found his home. Troubles found his way. But God, with a heart that had touched Job, Job said, I won't give up on God. Hey, let's don't ever give up on God. Have you ever stopped to realize that sometimes great blessings, great blessings can come out of the heartaches and the tragedies if we meet those tragedies and say, by the grace of God, I'll not be moved. I was thinking again about Dr. Lee Robertson. Yes, he buried little joy, but he didn't bury his commitment. But out of that came Camp Joy. Camp Joy. And out of it, 
thousands and thousands of young kids have been saved at Camp Joy. I think about Charles Weigel, though plunged to the depths of heartbreak and sorrow and loss. And yet out of that dark night, he told me, when he left the pier, it seemed as though God would lead him and did lead him. He went back and sat down at the piano. And out of that heartache and out of that tragedy came a blessing for the nations since then. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Oh, he sang it in the church, telling the story. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. And oh, how we have been blessed and how the nations have been blessed by that great old song that came out of the heartache and the tragedy. I think as I read just recently, Paul's sweetest epistles are from prison cells. John's revelation was written in exile. Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress came from the Bedford Jail. Luther's translation of the German Bible was in the Wartburg Castle. Madame Gurion's sweetest poems and deepest impressions, experiences from a long imprisonment. Oh, even great things can come out. And the Bible says, though I... Though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. Though in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me, thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of my enemies, and thy right hand shall save me, according to Psalm. Thank God he's enough. In all of our heartaches and troubles. Hey, you can't get so far down in your heartaches and in your desperate hours that the harm that cannot reach down and give you enough grace to get up and get going again. God's always enough when the burdens are so heavy that we can't bear them. I read in Psalm 81, verses 6 and 7, I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were delivered from the pots. Thou callest in trouble, and I delivered thee. I answered thee in the secret place of thunder. Thank God there's a place you and I can look to. In the place of thunder, butter, and the place of thunder. When you read that portion of the scripture, it's undoubtedly referring to Israel's deliverance. For he has said to Moses, I've heard the cry and the affliction of my people. Thank God he still can hear our cry in the day of affliction. Thank God. He can send that which we need to deliver our shoulder from under the burden. Thank God He can deliver our hands from the pots. 
Didn't have time to get it done, but I was trying to get Kevin to get me two big pots and get me a big bag that was heavy enough to put on my shoulder so I could know and share with you how that, hey, he can take get your shoulder out from under the burdens. And thank God the pots, you don't have to carry them anymore. Don't have time to deal with the pots today. But I'm glad I don't have to carry pots today. The shoulder's been delivered. God has put his shoulder under it. It speaks of Israel. It speaks of that time when they had to carry in pots and carry the dirt to make the bricks and carry the straw. And they were under this burden of brick making for Egypt. God said, I'm going to deliver you from that. I'm going to deliver you from having carrying pots and I'm going to deliver you your shoulder from under the burden. Oh, how typical this is of the believer's deliverance from legal bondage. Through faith, the burden of sin has been lifted from our shoulder and we bear it no more. Our hands have been delivered from the pots that we have to carry. The burdens that you and I have carried simply because He has lifted our shoulder simply because He has put His shoulder under that cross that day. And He put His shoulder under Calvary's cross that day and was nailed to that old rugged cross. And thank God through deliverance and his shoulder under that old cross. He has paid your debt. He's delivered the burden of sin and the debt of sin that you and I would have had to pay for. But thank God he has lifted my shoulder, lifted my hands from those old pots. And now, thank God I can hear good news coming out of heaven. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Thank God I find in Him enough. I find in Him all I need for the burdens that I have. He's enough of my peace in the time of my greatest troubles. Thank God He's the light. He's light enough for my darkest hour that I have to be in. He's my strength when my burdens are so heavy that thank God I can't bear them alone. He's my shelter in the storms of life that I must endure. He is my defense. He is enough defense. What I'm about to devour, be devoured by all that Satan can throw at me, all that the world can throw at me. Thank God he's enough to keep me safe and keep me secure. Amen. Yeah, yeah. I know Satan goeth about like a roaring lion. Someone said to me, well, Preacher, Satan goeth about like a roaring lion. 
They're saying the lion is the king of the jungle. How in the world, where in the world could you find that which could defeat a lion which is the king of the jungle? I said, get a bigger lion. There's a bigger lion because the lion of the tribe of Judah is enough, amen. Get a bigger, thank God there's a bigger lion out there. He's enough. Brother, he can take the roar out of him. And now all I can hear is meow, meow. Oh, I wanted to sing this morning. But I don't feel like it right now. Look out, Brother Ray. The caboose is about to come. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. God's enough. And every trouble, He's enough for every burden that you and I have. I removed his shoulder from the burden. I won't have time to deal with this. But there is a cross that he calls on us to take. He put his shoulder under Calvary's cross. But he said, if any man would be my disciple... Let him take up his cross and follow me. I read this last week where Spurgeon said, There are no crown bearers in heaven that were not cross bearers here below. Lastly, I'll leave this with you. God's always enough. Not only in our troubles and the carrying of burdens, but he is enough when we may be overwhelmed with all of it. Overwhelmed. David said, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path and the way where I walk. He said in Psalm 143, For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He has smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart is desolate. That word overwhelmed, as I looked it up, simply means 
to bury beneath, to cover or be covered up with sorrow, to overflow. The bitter water had risen to the cup in David's life. Then I would pause to remember that the greatest at times face a time in their life. The bravest spirit sometimes is put to the greatest test. When you look at David's life, this man who said, I, I, I'm just built to the ground. I'm looking for somebody. I'm looking for a friend on the left or a friend on the right, and there was no soul to help me, no one to help me. He had been a friend to so many, a friend to the nation of Israel, and now he could find no friend. You're talking about a brave-spirited man, a man who as a young lad would get up in a brave spirit, face a giant, and take him down. A man so brave that they sang his praises because he had killed the thousands. And yet the bravest spirit of us at times can be so tested. And when I look at Elijah, who stood bravely on Mount Carmel against all the false prophets of Baal, and stood alone and said, who's on the Lord's side? And yet that brave spirit sits under a juniper tree wishing to die. And so there is a challenge for all of us. That sometimes it seems as though we are smothered. We're put under a cloud. And we're down to the very bottom as it were. And somehow wishing to die and to give up like Elijah was. But even when we feel like dying and asking God just to take us out because of our failures, and having to look back at an hour when we were strong and now we're so weak, we're just wishing to die, God was saying, and I think to some of us today, get out from under that tree. I've got some more work I need you to do yet. I'm not ready for you to quit and I'm not ready for you to die. Get out of here. There's a widow balloon down the road that needs somebody to stop by and help them. He said, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee. Hide me. He found that refuge under the wings of the Almighty. And God nourished his soul and said he was a man after his own heart. Sometimes you and I can find a friend. There are times when we can't find any. But there are times, ladies and gentlemen, when we are fortunate and blessed to look on the right or look on the left 
and that we can find somebody who's concerned about our situation, concerned about our desperate time, concerned about our sorrow, our heartache, or our loss. And they're there for us on the right hand, maybe on the left hand. But even at a time when we can find something, and they're willing to come, but they can't bring enough to meet our need. But I'm here to tell you there is someone who is enough to meet that need. Well, I'm already over, I guess. I'm already past time. But if I'm in good enough graces, I'll take five and I'll get out of the way. When my plane went down that I was flying, my passengers got out and I couldn't get out. There was no physical facilities, no medical facilities in the little town where my plane went down in the woods. Closest facility was 14 miles away in Tampa, Florida. And the only people they could get to get me to the hospital was the local funeral parlor in that little town. And they came and they looked and said, we have no facilities to keep the man alive. And they carried me to Tampa, Florida in a hearse. And when I got there, when I finally awakened on the table for surgery, my le left foot was twisted off nearly. My face was crushed. My throat had hit the wheel. And I'd swollen so to my chin that it scuffed off, snuffed off my air pipe. And the surgeon said to me as I opened my eyes, he said, Mr. Hancock, preacher, we don't know how you're alive. You have no wind. Your windpipe's been cut off. We don't know how you're alive. I knew. And after that, I say this quickly. I had that which came from my aid on the left hand. Dr. Faulkner was there during the meeting that we were having. And with hundreds of people of my, out of my church, lining the hallways to the emergency room, Dr. Faulkner on his knees. And those people prayed that God would keep me alive. Because the local news on television had already put out that I had been killed in the airplane accident. And on the left hand, I had those who came to my aid. And on the right hand, it wasn't a matter of money. They brought in and brought quickly the best surgeon that could be found. And in surgery, before the main surgery, a surgeon said to me, Preacher said, I, we know your foot's torn off nearly, but said, we've, we've got to get you some air, we've got to get you some life. And the best surgeon on my right hand did the work on my throat, and then later on my ankle. 
But though I had help from the left hand and the right hand, what they brought, they brought everything they could. The best surgeons, the best prayers, whatever. It wasn't enough to keep me alive. It wasn't enough to do what I needed done. But he was enough. He was enough. And when the surgeon came to my room and said to me, and I had a trachea in here because I couldn't speak, they did the surgery on my vocal cord and larynx. And the surgeon said, voice is gone. When my wife came in, I wrote her a note because I couldn't speak. I wrote her a note and said, this is what the surgeon said, but I, I, I never thought about quitting. I told her, I said, honey, I can write. She put a finger at me and looked at me and said, I'd seen that finger before. <laughs> she put a finger at me and said, Oh, ye little faith, you'll preach again. <laughs> she went back to my church and stood that night on the platform and said, with great confidence, our preacher will be back. Amen. While home, all the surgery tore loose, and they took me back to the hospital. And the surgeon said to me, I don't have no idea why all of it's gone. He said, it'll have to be done over. But when he went back in to do it over, he found out that everything was perfect. There are times when you can find someone. There are times when you can't find someone. And when you can't find them, you still say, by the grace of God, I'll just go on anyway. And there are times when all those who do come they can't bring what you need. But when he comes, he's always enough. And I preached this morning for all of these years now because God is always enough. There ought to be someone this morning who there's been a grave sight where you've given up on God or you're about to give up on God and you buried that commitment, you buried that call, you ought to go back to that graveyard to say and say, hey, commitment, get up. Get up. Something ought to be done this morning because he's enough to get you through the burdens you're carrying. The heartaches you're having. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.